0: Welcome to indisputable, everybody. Thank you for being with us here on TYT. I am Ben Glebe, Sitting in for your host, Dr. Rashad Ritchie, we have an incredible show for you today, jam packed with stories you need to know about, some burning breaking news and some crazy stories you won't believe later in the show. And I'm joined today by a co-host you guys know and love, she's amazing. Please give a warm welcome to AB Burns Tucker. Hello, Hello. hello.
1: thank How you for having you me once again. I'm good, thank you for having me, I'm excited for today.
0: I'm excited too. You, you of course know her from her Twitter and her TikTok at I am legally hype. That's me. I love it, are you legally hype, is that an accurate description?
1: I, all day, all day, we've been getting legally hype all day.
0: I believe it, let's get legally hyped right now, let's get politically hyped. Let's get into the stories, our first story today, some more Donald Trump nonsense, but at least the facts are coming out per the Associated Press. The IRS failed to pursue mandatory audits of Donald Trump on a timely basis during his pregnancy. Of course they did. A congressional panel found on Tuesday, raising questions about statements by the former president and leading members of his administration who claimed he could not release his tax filings because of the ongoing reviews. That's what they claimed. That's what they said all along. A report released by the Democratic majority on the House Ways and Means Committee indicated the Trump administration may have disregarded the IRS requirement dating back to 1977 that mandates audits of a president's tax filings. The IRS only began to audit Trump's 2016 tax filings on, oh, April 3rd, 2019, more than two years into his dumpster fire of a presidency and just months after Democrats took control of the House. Ironic. Isn't that crazy that happened only after Democrats took control? That date coincides with Rep. Richard Neal, the panel chairman, asking the IRS for information related to Trump's tax returns. I guess they said, oh, right. We were supposed to get on that, right? Because on account of him being the president and us wanting to hold him to account, yep, our bad. That's how it works in this country. The 29 page report was published just hours after the committee voted along party lines to release Trump's tax returns in the coming days, raising the potential of additional revelations related to the finances of the one time bad businessman who broke political norms by refusing to voluntarily release his returns as he sought the presidency. What's he hiding? We're about to find out the vote was a culmination of a years long fight between Trump and Democrats that has played out everywhere from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress and the Supreme Court. But an accompanying report released by Congress's nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation also found repeated faults with the IRS's approach toward auditing Trump and his companies. IRS agents in charge of the audits repeatedly, get this, this is unbelievable, did not bring in specialists with expertise assessing the complicated structure of Trump's holdings. They frequently determined that a limited examination was warranted because Trump hired a professional accounting firm that they assumed would make sure Trump properly reports all income and deduction items correctly. Okay, just let me just comment for a second here. They did not have IRS officials able to process his taxes and assess them because they trusted Trump's hired accountant, amazing, we don't get that kind of treatment as lay people. But Donald Trump did, Donald Trump gets to be trusted, a man who can't be trusted, who anyone who hears him speak for five seconds knows he can't be trusted. IRS is like, he's good, he's good, right? Let's go to the next slide. We must express disagreement with the decision not to engage any specialist when facing returns with a high degree of complexity, yeah. The tax committee report states. We also fail to understand why the fact that council and an accounting firm participated in tax preparation ensures the accuracy of the returns. Yeah, they have to. They fail to understand that because it's not understandable. Because everyone's tax tax people, their job is to do right by their client. They don't work for the government. That's why the IRS is there for oversight. And also, I'm tired of people when they're calling people out on doing very shady things using this soft language. We also fail to understand why the fact the council. How about this is ridiculous and obviously incorrect. That would be more direct language in my opinion. The reports released Tuesday, renewed scrutiny on one of the biggest questions that has surrounded Trump since he shifted from reality television star to unlikely presidential candidate why did he abandon the post Watergate tradition of White House hopefuls releasing their tax returns? Trump and those around him have consistently said that IRS audits prevented him from doing so. Here is actual audio of Trump speaking about his tax returns, actual audio. I would love to give them, okay? But I'm not gonna do it while I'm under audit. Trump said on April 10, 2019, before boarding the presidential helicopter, There are no laws, of course, that would have barred Trump from voluntarily releasing his returns, even if they were being audited. Even though that was the excuse he always gave, because he's a man full of excuses. Excuses are like, we're on television right now and, and the Internet and I can't say what I wanted to say. But you know the phrase, excuses are like something that everybody has on their underside. Okay, great. In response to the findings, the Ways and Means Committee is proposing legislation to beef up the IRS's approach requiring an initial report no later than 90 days from the filing of a president's tax returns. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the chamber would move swiftly to advance the legislation. little too late, Nance, but sure, I suppose at some point is better than nothing. Democrats argue that the IRS is ill-equipped to audit high income complex tax returns and instead targets filers in low income brackets. Surprise! Surprise, surprise. <laughs> of course, they do. They target people they can easily catch who don't have the ability to wiggle out of stuff because we're busy trying to make ends meet and pay our bills and work for inappropriate, underpaid wages. Something they've tried to remedy with their work on this panel. But Republicans have vowed to cut a recent influx of funding for more IRS agents. Of course, they have. That's the first bill they say they will consider upon taking the House majority in less than two weeks. What are they going to try to do? Solve the problems facing this nation? Nah, not interested in that. They're going to try to help people who are downtrodden, disadvantaged, help people who can't afford to put food on the table, who are working multiple jobs, and are being burdened in an unreasonable way by their tax burden? Nope. What are they going to try to do? Solve health care crisis in this country? Immigration crisis? Are they going to try to... Help the climate crisis, no, they're going to make sure their first order of business is fire IRS agents who are hired specifically to target them and their rich buddies. That's the way it goes down this country now, that's my opinion. I'm curious, AB, if you see it any differently.
1: Uh, no, nope, I don't. I actually think <laughs> this is right along with Trump's MO, right? So you deny and you lie, right? Deny and lie. And you make people feel like they can't trust government. When in reality, we can't trust you, right? If you can't even be transparent enough to know, to let us know where your money comes from and where it's going so that we know as American people that the same stuff that you talk about in terms of making sure we have businesses here in our own country and we're not doing all that business with foreign countries, just let us see the tax return. why is it an issue, right? That's my first point. On the second point, it goes with the IRS saying we assume that this is going to be right. Well, like you said, when you assume something you make a what out of me and you. And this is what has happened to the American people. So now not only are we looking funny on our own soil, but we're looking funny to these other countries too, who look at us and say we are supposed to be the blueprint for democracy. But democracy ain't democracy ain't right about now.
0: These are very strong points, AB, and while we have not been able to see all of Trump's tax returns, they will be released in the coming days. That is the good news that comes out of all of this. Congress just voted to do so while, they, while the Democrats still have the majority. But like you said, let us look at your tax returns. Let's see what business you're doing with foreign entities. The only thing we can look at right now, as immediate proof always of his work with foreign entities, you can look at the tags on his ties and his other clothing he sells made in China. China, as he says, the one company, the one country that he says is our, our biggest enemy. Weird. Does a lot of business there, doesn't he? Let's move on to our next story. A little bit of justice coming. This is good news from a very difficult story. On Monday in Los Angeles, Harvey Weinstein was found guilty. You heard it, guilty of three of seven sexual assault charges against him including rape. Prosecutors say Weinstein used his status as a Hollywood mogul to lure women to hotel rooms for meetings where they were sexually assaulted and raped. Wife of California Governor Gavin Newsom, Jennifer Newsom was one of four women who testified bravely against Weinstein. You can see a photo of her right there. The three charges Weinstein was convicted of rape, sexual penetration by foreign object and forcible oral copulation were all tied to one of his accusers. A model and actress who testified the movie mogul assaulted her in the Beverly Hills hotel room in February 2013, according to CNN. That woman identified as Jane Doe one was the first to testify and said in a statement, and I quote, Harvey Weinstein forever destroyed a part of me that night in 2013. I will never get that back. The criminal trial was brutal. Weinstein's lawyers put me through hell on the witness stand. But I knew I had to see this through to the end and I did. I hope Harvey Weinstein never sees the outside of a prison cell during his lifetime. I echo that hope. Governor Gavin Newsom also released a statement in support of his wife saying, quote, I'm so incredibly proud of my wife and all the brave women who came forward to share their truth and uplift countless survivors who cannot. Their strength, courage and conviction is a powerful example and inspiration to all of us. We must keep fighting to ensure that survivors are supported and that their voices are heard. That's what Gavin Newsom said, here's what Weinstein, however, unfortunately was not charged for in this case. After weeks of emotional testimony and 10 days of deliberations, jurors in Los Angeles also acquitted Weinstein of one count of sexual battery by restraint against a massage therapist in a hotel room in 2010. They were hung jury on one count of sexual battery by restraint, one count of forcible oral copulation, and one count of rape related to two other women, including Jennifer Newsom. As to Weinstein's possible sentencing, well, here's the news there. Weinstein faces a possible sentence of 24 years in prison. Hallelujah for that. For the Los Angeles conviction, according to the Los Angeles district attorney's office, the once powerful film producer is already serving a 23 year sentence for a 2020 New York rape conviction. Jurors will return to court Tuesday to consider aggravating factors to help determine the outcome of Weinstein's sentencing hearing according to the DA's office. So the news here is that justice is finally coming to this monster of a man in all likelihood and with any bit of grace from the universe that hopefully sometimes bears consequences on disgusting despicable subhumans like this. He will spend the rest of his life behind bars. And hopefully die there, a sad, disgusting, sick, depraved human being. And hopefully not treated well by other inmates. That's my opinion. AB, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm glad these women got justice for these crimes. And even though he wasn't convicted of all the charges, I think the fact that he will be in prison for at this point, the rest of his life, right? We see that he's not in the greatest of health. Um, he doesn't look the same. Um, I know a lot of people always feel some type of way about like, well, why did they wait so long to say something, or why did it take so long? But I think like the better part of this is that these women have internally suffered for so long because of what this man did to them by way of his own power and by manipulation. These women wanted jobs, they wanted opportunities in their life, and by seeking that, what you took from them was dignity, and so I think by going to prison, now your dignity has been taken from you. Because you were once one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, and you will now be an inmate, where you are despicable, where you will be disrespected, whether it be by inmates or it be by the sheriffs. Where the food's gonna be disgusting, Well, you'll never see a Beverly Hills Hotel ever again. You will never live in comfort and be able to do the things you did before. So I think that he is definitely I don't care if it's one day or 2000 days because you have to go to prison for what you did. You are now giving these women justice and you are giving them peace and you're giving them life that they deserve that you took from them. So enjoy the stay and don't drop the soap.
0: Yes, I like that last warning. And it's so true because unfortunately the nature of the world there will always be evil. And evil strikes sometimes but all we can do is hope that justice comes around the bend and Today, justice was served. Uh, On that note, we have some more lighthearted stories coming your way in just a moment. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick and stay.
2: We are
0: back on Indisputable. I'm Ben Glebe sitting in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I am joined today by A.B. Burns Tucker. Good to be with you, A.B.
1: I'm here. It's a pleasure We're
0: having fun already. We are indeed and we're about to have some fun as well. Announced, we've got 590,000 subscribers now on YouTube. So thank you all for your support. And I wanted to mention as well, Unbossed with Senator Nina Turner. Please make sure you're tuning in for that show. It is weekdays 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific where, the senator unites real everyday Americans to take on the corrupt forces that seek to keep the power from the people. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash unbossed TYT or scan the QR code. It's all QR codes these days. Make sure you scan them. Otherwise you can't see what the QR code holds. That's the way QR codes work. I just said QR codes too many times. It's probably because I'm drinking Red Bull for some reason. So I got extra wings in me this morning. I'm going next level. I already got a lot of energy. I couldn't find water in time for air. I'm drinking Red Bull. I haven't had a Red Bull in a very long time, but it's sugar-free. So it's healthy? Who knows? I'm probably killing myself right now. Let's go to some of your comments and super chats right now. One of our TYT members at TYT.com, Mickey C, the silver-haired dragon, says Trump announced in 2015, so he's been... Uh, lying about his tax returns for seven years. He promised to release them one of those seven, every one of those seven years knowing he had no such plan to do so. Of course, that is true on YouTube. We got a super chat from Moon Dragon. Thank you so much saying Ben, I want to hear more about Trump's pregnancy. I apparently said Trump's pregnancy instead of Trump's presidency. I didn't mean that, but look at the man. He could be pregnant. And if it if he was, it's the best pregnancy you've ever seen. He could have several babies in there at once, many, many cheeseburger babies. That's exciting for him. Um, Also Tracy Ravenhog gives me the advice, just say bungholes Ben, strong, strong advice. I didn't think of the word bungholes when I was doing my uh, statement earlier. I will in the future always say bungholes and please forgive me. Bernie the Kiwi Dragon says imagine the size of the tantrum he will throw when he goes to jail. Oh, That is a fact. I think that applies to both Weinstein and Trump. I can't wait to see Trump behind bars. I'll be the I will throw a literal party. I'll throw a block party. I'll open the doors of my house. It'll be a fantastic moment. Martin Trammell says the Walker defense didn't work. True that. And on Twitch, TYT of a supporter Marshall Ghetto says because the IRS doesn't audit rich folks. If you don't know, now you know. We do know. We do know. Speaking of facts, let's get back to some. You y'all want some more show? All right, I can't hear you, but I assume at home you're all screaming in agreement. So let's do it. It is time to get to our next story, and I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You must feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African
1: American man threatening
2: my life. Oh, really?
0: This incident occurred on the December 18th game, home game for the Raiders against the New England Patriots. The Raiders earned a comeback win of 30 to 24. The Raiders organization has not issued a statement about the fan incident, but you have got to admire the restraint of that Patriots fan. If it was me, somebody getting in my face like that, I would have smacked that person. I would have gotten in trouble for it. But how do you have such a restraint, not even to look or make eye contact and just deal with somebody clapping in your face like that, telling you you can't cheer for the opposing team at a game. The entire nature of all sports, the entire reason people attend games is for these rivalries. And a Karen comes up and thinks it's her right to go, not even right where her seat is, go all the way across in the aisle and clap in someone's face, wild, inappropriate, insane, ridiculous. That man deserves a medal of honor for his patience. AB, what's your take on this? Um, well, first
1: and foremost, now we know where the. Um- this feminist movement came from because I think husbands were just tired of their nagging caring wives being at home (laughs) and getting on their nerves. And so they started this whole movement and now we all have to go to work. So thank you guys for that. (laughs) But honestly, with this, he has absolute restraint and I'm really proud of him. I don't really condone violence, but I do condone punishing kids because if you spoil the rod, you spoil the child and she's very childish, okay? So she probably should have been punished and probably should have had I do want to say put their hands on her, but she should have got a little more than that. It's like the audacity of you to feel like you control um, the environment of a sporting event, right? The whole point of being at a sporting event is to get excited and cheer for your team, and you may even have a little bit of, you know, with the other side. But the disrespect that you have here at a game for tickets that I paid for, that I paid for to enjoy this game, you out of line. So she had the right one.
0: Yes, 100%, right 100%. I mean, it's also just you can see it's a very Karen family going on there too because the Karen is in the guy's face and then the the care man comes over and gets in the guy's face. And then she gets back in the guy's face and he holds her back like don't do what I just did. And what you already did, and I didn't have a problem with it. It's very strange. I don't understand it myself, but that man handled himself with grace that I wish that I had On that note, it's time for our next story, a little bit more justice coming out. The former Texas officer responsible for the death of a Tatiana Jefferson has been sentenced following his manslaughter conviction last week. Here's a reminder of the tragic incident from the officer's body cam. You saw the video there, the tragic video of the police body cam shooting into the window of an innocent woman defending her home, standing in a window. He didn't identify himself. There was no reason to shoot into that house and take an innocent life of an innocent black woman sitting there responding, trying to figure out what the noise was. The former Texas officer responsible for the death of a Tatiana Jefferson has been sentenced like we said, following his manslaughter conviction last week. The former Fort Worth officer Aaron Dean was sentenced to 11 years, 10 months in prison on Tuesday in a Tarrant County court for the 2019 shooting and killing of 28 year old Jefferson in her own home. His conviction is believed to be the first time a Tarrant County law enforcement officer or former officer has been found guilty of a killing committed while on duty. So that is a little bit of justice and progress to the justice system. To recap the incident per Reuters, Jefferson was tragically shot dead by Dean who is white while standing in her home with a handgun after hearing noises outside. Afterward, Dean resigned from the force and police later charged him with murder. Brad Brooks from Reuters reporting that Dean and his partner Carol Darch had gone to Jefferson's home after a concerned neighbor called police to say her front door was open. Jefferson was playing video games with her then eight year old nephew when Dean arrived and crept around the back of the home gun drawn according to his arrest warrant and body cam video. Jefferson's death took place about seven months before the murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer who knelt on his neck for over eight minutes. Floyd's death led to global demonstrations against racism and police brutality. The Fort Worth Police Department had said in 2019 that Dean violated a series of police policies. Dean's attorney said he fired in self defense, but prosecutors had argued there was no evidence of him seeing a gun in Jefferson's hand before firing through the bedroom window. And even if he had, so what? It's your own home. He didn't identify himself. Conviction and sentencing details per the Daily Beast, Dean was initially charged with murder, but a jury which featured no black jurors determined last Thursday that the killing was an act of manslaughter. Dean's sentence is more than eight years below the sentence prosecutors had pushed for after Dean was convicted of manslaughter last week. But it is at least significantly more severe than probation. The punishment his defense had lobbied for this week. And of course, guess what? Former officer Dean had a troubling past. That's right, troubling details about Deans past surfaced during the sentencing hearing, a psychologist who evaluated Dean before he was hired by the Fort Worth Police Department testified that Dean was not fit to be a cop, a determination that was shared with the department, but ignored. The psychologist Kyle Clayton said Dean exhibited grandiose, domineering, over controlling personality traits, which made him more likely to engage in behaviors that would put himself and others at risk. And then per the Fort Worth star telegram, prosecutors argued that Dean was a gung ho cop who wasn't sure what he saw through the window. And that he was relieved to find Jefferson's gun after he shot her. The officer didn't identify himself, didn't give Jefferson time to respond to his command to put her hands up and did not even perform CPR on the dying woman. Jefferson graduated from Xavier University with a biology degree. And was saving money to attend medical school. Those details are so important because they remind you these are human beings that are amazing contributing members of society that are trying to live their lives and help society. She was saving to attend medical school. she had moved into her mother's home to care for her while she was ill and was helping raise her then eight year old nephew Zion Carr while his mother was also in the hospital. Prosecutors said she didn't know who was in her yard and had a right to have a gun to protect herself and her nephew, of course she did. And this is the tragic outcome that her life was taken. But at least one of the rare instances in this country, unfortunately, that justice to at least some degree comes to an officer of the law for taking someone's life, proving that officers are not infallible. And sometimes even for marginalized communities, some degree of justice can be had, A, B. I'd love your thoughts.
1: Yeah, there's so much to unpack here, um, considering the fact that they even ended up at this home because a neighbor called saying that the door was open, right? Getting fresh air at a time when you're hanging out with an eight year old should not be the cause of a death sentence. So let's start there. Um, What we know just from his actions in this particular instance is that this is not the first time that he's done something out of line and out of protocol with the police agency, right? Um, Giving him 11 years, I, you know, I'm a strong advocate for give people the time they deserve. But in this sense, it kind of hurts, considering the fact that there was an eight-year-old boy who was present for this, who will live with this for the rest of his life, who will feel some sort of hurt and confusion by how this whole situation played out for the rest of his life. In addition to that, it makes it so much harder for people to trust the police. Because when you call out of concern for your neighbor, right? Because her door is opening. You're not sure if she's being burglarized or not. But you call a non-threatening number, right? You call a number that's like non-emergency. I'm just checking to make sure everything's okay and someone ends up deceased, it makes it less likely that citizens will call the police when there is a real emergency. Because you just don't know what the outcome is going to be. And this is why we need to be more vigilant about who we hire as police officers. I think that this entire department also needs to be held accountable. If they received information from a psychologist before this man was hired that he was not fit to be a police officer, he should have never been hired. That is the whole point of having all the checks and balances, when you go to be a police officer to make sure you are proper and you are fit for this position. This is why they do psychological backgrounds. This is why they do fingerprinting, right? This is why they do the lie detector test, even though they're not credible in court. But this is why you do these things to make sure that when you hire people who are are here to protect and serve, that that is exactly what they're going to do. So now we walk away with another black life gone because of an irresponsible police officer. But then we still in the same breath have people who will argue police lives matter and blue lives matter and things like that. We matter too. And in order for us to matter, you gotta do your job and you gotta do your job well and you have to do your job fairly. Everything about this was wrong. I think the department also needs to be scrutinized for this because y'all were the start of this tragedy and this is how it has ended.
0: So many brilliant points there, A.B. I mean, their front and back doors were open because they were cooking hamburgers that they burnt and they were trying to air out the place and cooking hamburgers for your family should obviously not result in death. And you also make the great point that 11 years is not the right amount of time for a murder like this in cold blood for no reason. And a sad state and a sad commentary on the state of our country that that even has to be received as good news and not, not received as, wow, another light punishment. Instead, it's celebrated that at least some amount of justice, but 11 years does not suffice for cutting down this life for literally no reason. And you're right. If an officer gets a bad psychological review before becoming an officer, rather a candidate, and They do not need a second chance. You don't have to be a police officer. Nobody has a right to be an officer of the law. You find someone else, you fund them better, you pay them more in that community. If you can't get people to apply, whatever you have to do to get the officers needed, you do not put people on the force that lead to such tragic outcomes. That is not acceptable. We have a lot more show coming at you. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Stick and stay as the doctor would
2: say.
3: an Atlanta police officer indicted for murder and damn it, he should have been indicted a couple of years ago. I've been on this case since day one city of Atlanta. Let's put up the picture of the cop and his victim. He murdered, he murdered the young Jimmy Atchison. This cop was part of an FBI task force. He literally committed murder in front of the FBI and nothing happened to him. Let me give you the background to this story. Now, before I get into this story, the father of Jimmy Atchison, good brother, his name is Jimmy, I just got off the phone with him. He's been advocating and fighting every single day. This man sends me either a text or an email every day of his life about this case. Finally, the district attorney did what she was supposed to do. Let me give you the background, for more than three years, Jimmy Hill has kept a weekly vigil. That's the father outside the offices of the Fulton County DA's office. Think about that. Jimmy Hill, the father has kept a vigil outside of the offices of the Fulton County DA distributing flyers about his son's death at the hands of police demanding justice. This week, former Atlanta police officer Sung Kim was indicted. On charges of felony murder and voluntary manslaughter and violation of oath by a public officer in connection with the shooting death of 21 year old jimmy atchison which took place january 2019 let me give you some more background it's not clear if officer kim who retired from apd has an attorney now let me pause on that moment, moment right there he does this extreme Murderous deed, city of Atlanta, they allow him to retire. That locked his benefits in, even if the man is now convicted of murder, because they did not do exactly what they should have done. I'm talking about the department, immediately taxpayers, including the father of Jimmy Atchison, will be funding this man's retirement package. There's more, Oh man, it has not hit me yet, Mr. Hill said. Mr. Hill is 60 years of age. Said he learned of the grand jury indictment from his attorney earlier Friday. His family expects to hold a news conference with the members of the NAACP and their attorney on Monday. They've already done that as of this morning. Jimmy Atchison was shot and killed January 22, 2019 by the Atlanta police officer Atchison was unarmed. When he was shot in the face after a foot chase. Now I wanna remind everybody who may not be familiar with this story or you forgot some details. Not only was he unarmed, he received two conflicting commands. One command said, come out with your hands up. The other command said, don't move. He comes out with his hands up. Out of all the cops involved in this task force, it was only officer Kim who decided to shoot him in the face right in front of every other task force member. Nobody else on the task force thought Mr. Atchison was a threat. Nobody else shot him. So you have a cop who literally committed murder, in my opinion, in front of other cops and nothing happened to him. He was not immediately indicted. He was not immediately charged. Hell, he didn't even get immediately fired. All of the officers were aware of what happened. The young Jimmy Atchison posed no threat whatsoever. A father of two, bright individual. An investigation by the previous administration in the Fulton DA's office. That would have been DA Paul Howard, found the shooting to be unjustified. And recommended the officer who killed Atchison be charged with felony murder. The previous DA said that. The officer has said he believed Atchison was armed, but investigators later confirmed he was not. The Atlanta Journal Constitution previously reported. Officers were pursuing Atchison at an apartment complex while trying to serve him on a warrant. Now you may ask, well, wait a minute, the district attorney said the man needs to be indicted. What happened? Well, because officer Kim was part of an FBI task force, it created a complexity that the previous DA could not overcome. He tried. He literally took the federal government to court trying to bypass the immunity dynamic connected to the case. It was not until recently that the new DA was able to
0: get through the barriers. And you have an indictment. All right. Ben, thoughts here? Once again, you have red tape that makes justice so difficult to attain in this country. Um, There's red tape that puts justice. Put the block in the way of justice when somebody who's unarmed gets shot in the face. That's how our laws go in this country. That's how it's set up. It's a travesty. And thank God this is finally heading towards justice, long, long deserved justice. If you look at any video of Mr. Hill, the man's father, mm-hmm. the humanity just pours out of him. That's right. Um, seeing this man nearly four years now after his son's brutal murder. Handing out flyers, trying to get outside the DA's office, trying to get people to understand the, the inhumanity, the horrible crime that happened. And it looks like at least he can hopefully start to breathe a little bit easier knowing that his work is paying off and his honoring of his son's memory is paying off because it's very, very hard to hold. Law enforcement to account in this country, as we see time and again, but sometimes justice does come and let's hope that it goes all the way through to a conviction of murder against this officer, shooting an innocent man in the face, um, that needs to be rectified. Uh we need more stories that end up this way and it needs to not take four years. The the right. the toll on, on, on a man having to deal with a lack of justice for four years. And there's many other cases yep. in this exact same police department that are in just yep. murders of family members. And so um, hopefully this leads to getting rid of some of that red tape and getting us more towards justice as a norm and not yep, the exception yep. to the rule.
3: That's right, well said brother, you made a very insightful observation. Um, the humanity of Mr. Hill shows in everything he does. Today was the first day, and I didn't realize this Ben, until I spoke to him in the context of an indictment for the man who murdered his son. For the first time, I heard some level of relief in his voice. For years, he has always spoken in a tone that was indicative of a hurting father, rightfully so. Today was the first time I ever heard the brother actually seem as if he can take a breath.
2: Welcome
0: back to Indisputable. Ben Glebe here sitting in for Dr. Rashad Richie, AB Burns, Tucker joining me today. And I wanted to remind you to follow us at Indisputable TYT on all platforms. And if you need post Christmas plans, do not worry, we got the answer. TYT's very own Brett Ehrlich will be on ABC on the year. Recapping all of 2022. So tune in on Monday, December 26th at 9, 8 central on ABC. You gotta love that. Now let's go to some comments and super chats. We have uh, on our Raiders story, we have tall glass of shut up juice saying, why are Raiders fans always such bungholios? Jeebus, you got me to say bunghole again, so well done on that. Uh, we have got Robin Seg. Saying from YouTube saying, damn, Karen can't let anyone enjoy the damn game. Yes, it's a real problem. Used to be that the Raiders fans would be out of control, morons, bungholes, if you will, but would also still let the opponents cheer for their team, and it's just getting new levels of Karenicity these days. And as I said in my special The Mad King, which you can watch on YouTube, we just need a more chill planet without a Karen in the world. That's a fact. Rose Smith says, "I wonder if her husband is afraid she's going to backfire on him." <laughs> it's very possible. Mr. Anderson says he should have asked her if she knew the if she knew the last time the Raiders won a playoff game was 2003. Strong point. Shots fired and tone down your aggressive fandom when your team is a pile of garbage. How about that? Tasty cake with the uh, responding to the Tatiana Jefferson story says, "But let a civilian." accidentally shoot a cop, they would be doing way more time. Of course they would, of course they would. And Cindy D says she was guilty of being at home while black on Twitch. Dranger underscore dragon says not looking at her is making her even angrier on the Raiders story and um, absolutely right. James underscore says 11 years is not enough for this dude for the Tatiana Jefferson story. And mind grifter says this is more justice than we're used to getting, but still a far cry from what needed to happen. 100%. That is a fact. And it is still something, you know, it's still some amount of justice. And we need to keep improving our system, keep holding officers to account, keep holding people in power to account. Let's go on to our next story. Elon Musk is being coy about resigning as CEO of Twitter. Drawing a little more attention to himself, isn't he? Of course he is, that's what Elon Musk do. Elon Musk is accepting the will of the people after he polled Twitter users if he should step down as CEO of the social network. The poll had over 17 million votes and the result was a very satisfying 57.5% in favor of Musk stepping down. Prior to accepting the results, Musk had entertained the possibility the results were rigged due to bots, kim.com, another shady figure, tweeted, I'm hoping that Elon did this poll as a honeypot to catch all the deep state bots. The data set for this poll will contain most of them, some good data mining and he could kill them all in one go. Laughing emojis, And Elon Musk writes back, "Hmm, interesting, yes, yes, interesting. But in a new tweet, he confirms he will pass the baton to someone else when the time comes and revealed what he planned to do next, tweeting, I will resign as CEO. As soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job, after that I will just run the software and servers team. But Musk of course did not give his followers a timetable as to when he planned to be stepping down as CEO or if he was actively searching now for someone to replace him. So this might be yet another troll from Elon Musk just taking the attention of the world when there are bigger problems to worry about and he's just making it all about himself. Meanwhile, he gave an explanation of the recent company cutbacks that have taken everybody by surprise. Elon Musk said Twitter Inc was on course for $3 billion of negative cash flow before he stepped into stem losses by dismissing more than half of the company's staff. This is why I spent the last five weeks cutting costs like crazy. Musk said during a Twitter Spaces event last Tuesday, late Tuesday rather, This company is like basically you're in a plane that is headed toward the ground at high speed with the engines on fire and the controls don't work. Mm. Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion in October, partly financing the deal with almost 13 billion of debt with interest repayments of around 1.5 billion a year, he signed up for. He has since embarked on a frenzied mission to revamp the social media platform, which he has said is at risk of going bankrupt and was losing $4 million a day as of November. The mercurial entrepreneur has overseen the firings or departures of roughly 5000 of Twitter's 7500 employees, and instituted a hardcore work environment for those remaining. Sure, when you get rid of most of your employees, all you got left is to make the ones that are there work overtime, work extra hardcore and try to cut costs. But the way he's trying to revamp this network is just towards a place of disgusting moves. Every move just trying to embolden racists, hate mongers, people who were banned permanently, not for political reasons, but because they were a danger to society, a danger to A true discourse of genuine ideas and not spreading disingenuous disinformation and hate. And he said, well, we want to do is bring them all back, bring them all back, unleash them into the streets of the public square that is Twitter. What Elon Musk has done at Twitter reminds me of the end of the first Ghostbusters movie. Just open the ectoplasm machines and let the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man out, crossing the streams, doing everything you're not supposed to do. And it has been utter chaos ever since. A B, how do you handle what's going on at Twitter? Are you still tweeting? What's going on in your mind?
1: First of all, Baby Daddy ETEC got way just enough kids to play with, and why are you playing with Twitter, okay? We was happy living our best lives, having our community engagement on Twitter before you got here. This coming from the same person that took a backdoor (laughs) interest into America, but you want to talk about the Constitution and all that kind of stuff. Knock it off, First Amendment, things you don't understand. Do I still tweet? Barely, because unless you paid that $8 a month, your tweets don't go nowhere. Only person I see on my Twitter is Bridget. I'm so sick of her. So I don't know, I'm over it. <laughs> Honestly, like I'm just over it. Um, I wish you would hurry up and put the job description on Indeed so at least one of us can apply for it. Because these days in America, you don't even have to have qualifications to get jobs no more. So any of us should be available to take the job at this point. Bye, Elon, bye.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, Snoop, tweeted out should I take over as CEO for himself and people resoundingly over 80% said yes. So he's got a candidate right there. I think literally anybody would be better. Snoop would be good at it. Seems like a pretty magnanimous dude. It's a total dumpster fire. It is insane how it has become this hotbed of just insanity and his fanboys are just the most insane people in the world as I saw somebody tweet and I'll try to clean it up for air. They tweeted something to the effect of uh, Elon could accidentally smash his penis in a car door and his fans would say, well done, good sir. My liege, you have really exceeded yourself this time. <laughs> I mean, they just your face right now is perfectly that emoji by the way. Can we please look at that? That's the emoji the, uh, emoji. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's that's the vibe, that's what we have to take from this thing that had such promise. The platform that was able to spark the Arab Spring and give voice to so many people who were voiceless in the world is now becoming this place where if you're trying to speak truth to power, you get banned. And if you're trying to speak hate to the powerless, you get amped up. And if you got $8, all of a sudden your next level, wild, huh? Very wild, but that said, it is what it is, we all might need to jump ship pretty soon. I like watching the ship go down myself, so I'm still on there, but it might stop soon. Our next story, GOP elected rep lied about his whole damn life. GOP representative, Elect George Santos is being called to resign by the Democrat who lost to him in New York's third congressional district race after the New York Times published a bombshell investigation, suggesting that Santos fabricated key parts of his resume during the campaign. Robert Zimmerman, who lost to Santos by eight points in last month's midterm elections, you see him pictured there released a statement late Monday on Twitter. It read in part quote the reality is Santos flat out lied to the voters of New York three. He's violated the public trust in order to win office and does not deserve to represent Long Island and Queens per Yahoo News. The Times report published on Monday found that Santos may have misled voters about his college graduation, his criminal and employment history, his family owned business, his animal rescue charity, and his relationship with four victims of the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. How disgusting is this person? Unreal to lie about having relationships with slain human beings in a gun tragedy. There's more per the New York Times. The Times report found that Santos a Republican whose victory in Long Island and Northeast Queens last month helped his party clinch their very narrow majority in the US House of Representatives. May have misled voters about not just his college education and his purported career on Wall Street as well and omitted details about his business from financial disclosure forms. Santos 34 years old has declined numerous requests to be interviewed. Of course he has, what's he gonna say? You're right, I lied. On Monday evening, he used Twitter to recirculate a short statement that his lawyer Joseph Murray released on Friday with one small addition. On Monday, Murray categorized the Times article as a shotgun blast of attacks. But of course, did not provide any specific criticisms of what he called the Times defamatory allegations. Here's a hot tip. If you're gonna claim allegations are defamatory, say which ones are defamatory. And say what the truth is, just saying these are outright lies and it's a shotgun blast of attacks, which one sir, I gotta go, I I, I, I gotta go pee real quick. That's not a good defense. Over the course of his campaigns, Santos claimed to have graduated from Baruch College in 2010 before working at Citigroup and eventually Goldman Sachs. But officials at Baruch said they could find no record of of his having graduated that year. And reps from Citigroup and Goldman Sachs could not locate records of his employment either. These are the kind of candidates, you can see this man's very stupid face right there. The candidates that the GOP puts up, they put up a bunch of disingenuous criminals. They put up people with no regard for the law, no regard for truth. They're literally cartoon supervillains coming in, making stuff up, getting into power. And as soon as they get elected, <laughs> it was all a lie. It was all a lie. Nothing about me is real. Nothing about me is true. That's who they're putting up. And of course, they're not gonna do jack to expose this guy. Kevin McCarthy's gonna seat him. Why? He's gonna seat him because Kevin McCarthy's trying to win the Speaker of the House position and needs the votes. He's probably gonna make a Faustine bargain and say you vote for me for speaker. You're all good. I don't care if you're not who you say you are, just give me power. Yes, give me power more, more. They don't care. One party in this corporate system is full of complete liars and criminals on the other side. Isn't a whole lot better, but they're slightly better. And we have to take it because that's all we got. A, B, please say something before I have an aneurysm. Well,
1: I guess what we can say is that Trump set the pace for this. And so now we see where this is going. And this is why we should have corrected this action a long time ago, right? Because Trump told us he graduated from a school. Harry graduated from that school. Okay. Trump told us that he was making this amount of money from his businesses. Come to find out that was a lie, right? All of it was a lie. And so now they're just following in his footsteps. And we've made it okay because we didn't correct the issue at the source. Now, at this point, little buddy, I just. the thing thing about it is like when you're running for politics the people want to vote for people who they believe is in alignment with them and so when you misrepresent who you are as a person and your beliefs and things like that and people vote for you you really make people distrust the government. So while everyone wants to blame the other side for not being able to trust the government and draining the swamp, y'all need to realize that what's happening is they're picking people who they know got issues in the background that they can just dangle in front of their your faces, dangle those issues in front of their faces so that they can control them. Right? These people are not going to have any real control and power when it comes to making laws and stuff like that. You are going to be obligated to vote in agreement with the GOP party because we know what you got going on in the background for real. And it don't take nothing but a little bit for one of them GOP members to leak all your little dirty business. So while you're mad and talking about the attacks, it sounds like a warning. Get out of line, and we're gonna let them know what's really going on in the background. So I think it's just raggedy. Um, if you had to lie about where you went to school and where you worked, then you don't need to be in
0: politics because you just you don't even know who you are. So how are you gonna help the American people? I guess the only flip side to that, a b is maybe if you're, full of lies and you fabricated your whole background, you're perfect for politics. No, <laughs> you <know>? no,
1: absolutely <laughs> not,
0: no. Not I'm for sure. not for politics as it should be, but as politics it's as it is Perfect
1: for now.
0: McConnell. Yep, it it's in like go. a glove. McConnell's sitting there going like, yeah, she's a future me and I really love her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a disgusting, strange place we're in, it's so weird. And I also put some blame on the, on the DNC and on his opponent's campaign, his opponent said that they were trying to expose some of this during the campaign didn't get much traction blasted from the rooftops. If you can't win an election where your opponents making up things and you knew a lot of it ahead of time, they didn't know all of it the New York Times budgets far surpass what the opposition campaign was in their budget for Apple research, but they uncovered a lot of it blasted out. Not that it makes a huge difference. We all saw the Herschel Walker came very close, but it's not quite the exact same and his opponent, Santos opponent was blasted by like he lost by a huge margin. I think at least eight points. So uh, we need to step up the game if you're trying to get good people in office when you got complete If you can't be complete liars. You got a real problem with your political infrastructure. And on that we got some wild stories you will not believe coming up after this break. So as the good doctor would say, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Ben Glebe sitting in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, joined by my special co-host today, A.B. Burns Tucker. And we're excited to be with you. A couple of viewer comments. We love your comments. Please keep them coming uh, about Rep Santos lying about his whole life. Mickey C, the silver-haired dragon said, what's the problem? Santos exemplifies the Republican platform. That's why they love him, just like they loved Walker. Yep, yep, That's that's definitely part of it. Their their bar for candidates not very high these days, and Jeff Test Pilot says Elon's Twitter fiasco must put him very close to being the guy who made the most expensive mistake in the history of business. Right? You you, you got to think so. Forty four billion is not is not chump change. That is for sure. And Karen Brandsetter says please let Snoop take over Twitter. I mean it would be a dream. It would be a real dream for somebody who occasionally enjoys marijuana like I may or may not. I would like it to amplify my tweets. I got no problem with that whatsoever. Let's go to our next story. Tiktoker who vowed to kill migrants was heavily armed. 32-year-old Jonathan Odell, a Warsaw, Missouri man who is facing federal charges over threats he made on TikTok to shoot migrants, as well as law enforcement officers at the southern border, was sitting on a veritable arsenal of high-powered weapons, according to an inventory of items seized in October by FBI agents. Here's a screenshot of just the partial list of alleged contents found in Odell's garage. Look at that list. The search and seizure warrant, which was unsealed Tuesday and obtained by Daily Beast, says the search turned up sniper vests, an AR-15, a silencer, a rugged nine millimeter pistol, a twelve gauge shotgun, two rifles, a forty-five caliber pistol, a forty-four caliber revolver, a black powder rifle, two knives and sheaths, a hatchet, a gas mask, a ballistic helmet. Oh, is that all? No, it's not. Exploding targets, body armor with loaded magazines and shotgun rounds, numerous boxes of ammunition, and my favorite part of the list, an iPhone with a peanuts case, <laughs> he had to soften up there at the end. He, he, he's an aggressive guy that wants to kill innocent people, but also loves Snoopy. You got to admire that in a man, at least one redeeming factor. Odell's co-defendant, Brian C Perry, 37 year old man, opened fire on FBI agents. Insanity, opened fire on FBI agents who showed up to execute the warrant on October 7th. 7th according to investigators. Details of the alleged foiled plot per NBC News are according to two October 7th criminal affidavits, the FBI got an anonymous tip that Perry, using a TikTok account at trashpanda1774, you're putting trash in your own handle, you know, you got issues right there, had posted a video threatening an attack against the government. Perry also posted videos in which he tried to recruit six like minded individuals, aka barely a mind at all barely functioning, no brain necessary, with guns and gear to take part in his plan according to an affidavit. Around the end of September, Odell posted a video to the TikTok account at mo born from the 90s, in which he discussed his plans to secure the southern border and leave for Texas on October 4th. In other videos Perry discussed traveling with a group to the US border to shoot migrants. And said the border patrol was committing treason by allowing undocumented immigrants into the US from Mexico, adding that treason is punishable by death, according to the affidavits. On October 2nd, an undercover FBI employee spoke to Odell on the phone and got this info straight from the horse's mouth during the call. Odell said he wanted to get a group together to go secure the border between the US and Mexico, the affidavit says. I know I'm already practically a terrorist, he's accused of saying. I know that for a fact, because I'm a patriot. The day after the call, Perry posted to his TikTok account announcing their plans to travel to Texas on October 8th. Adding that they plan to take, quote, full kits which according to the affidavits often referred to wearable vest carriers that better enable shooters to carry extra gear including body armor, spare ammunition and radios. In an October 4 phone call Odell told the undercover FBI agent that quote, I don't expect a good outcome from us going down there and that it will be quote, kill or be killed. According to the affidavits which added that he said he feared they would go through all 2000 rounds of ammunition they planned to take. Aside from the abhorrent views of these two people, aside from the fact that they were just absurdly brainwashed by the vitriol and racist hatred coming from the right in this country that is blaming immigrants coming here for a better life on the situations that those very same lawmakers and pundits on the right scapegoat because they will do nothing to help move the conversation, move the legislation, move this country toward what needs to happen to improve the lives of the actual issues. Because they don't want to do that because that affects their pocketbook spending money on those in need. They instead blame it on people coming here who would have done nothing to these people. But the hilarious part is that these morons are blasting their intent to commit murder on TikTok, they are publicly exposing their plans, which is just so perfect. They couldn't have had an easier time catching these guys. They matched the house in the videos to the house they were staying in. They matched the uh, email address and phone number on the TikTok account to their email address and phone number. It couldn't have been more cut and dry, but these guys were the big vigilantes that were gonna save America by killing innocent people. They're the big morons that thankfully were taken down by law enforcement and will be held to account. Let's hope, AB, please weigh in. Are Are you fans of these guys tactics or what's your thoughts here?
1: Now, me being a TikToker, as much as I love TikTok, I'm gonna have to not agree with this one, okay? (laughs) I wanna hear Perry spell patriot and ammunition and treason. Because just like treason is a punishable by death, so is murder. (laughs) <laughs> okay, at the, at the, like at the border, what was you thinking? Two thousand rounds of ammunition, and then you told on yourself before you got there. What did you? What was this a boys club meeting or what was supposed to happen? People are so mad at immigrants coming here to have a better life, not realizing it's the same people y'all advocating for the Republicans that have y'all set up like this. Okay they have put in legislation and skip legislation so that we here in America struggle they choose not to work with the other side so that they look better to you and now all y'all are doing is ending up in prison what people that y'all claim y'all don't even like because it's a lot of them in prison too so at this point, Quite frankly, I'm glad he did it, to be honest with you, because we don't need people like this out in the streets. And I'm glad he told on himself before he was able to harm anyone. Um, Because you are a terrorist, a self admitted terrorist, then there will be terrorist allegations added to your accounts. And that will increase your amount of time that you go to prison. So have fun. Once again, don't drop the soap. Don't.
0: (laughs) I love it's the second story you've ended with don't drop the soap. It tells you the kind of people we're dealing with in these stories, huh? Absolutely. It's unreal and also it's just so disheartening to see the level of disinformation, the level of brainwash that has been deployed on these people. They're giving their lives away and their freedom away by fighting battles that do not need to be fought.
1: It's not even brainwashing. This is historical, okay? This is the history of this particular group of people where Y'all didn't want a certain amount of people to be president and be able to vote because you didn't want to be out of power. The day has come. So let's just all figure out how to live live together, excuse me, live with one another and enjoy this space called America until our time comes to an end rightfully.
0: And what happened to the good old days of TikTok when people just used it for dances? What happened to that?
1: I came along and started doing political commentary, so I guess.
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I've got you to blame for it, i am glad to be able to finally pinpoint who made it turn. This is no, what the Chinese me. want, it this is what the me. Chinese
1: owned platform want, AB. At least my information is accurate and real.
0: And are you ever threatening people's lives on TikTok? Never. Okay, okay, so you don't need views that bad, that's the message here. The moral is you don't need views so badly that you need to take it to levels of announcing predetermined crimes, is that what you're mm-hmm. trying to tell us?
1: Absolutely, a 1000%, and the lawyer and me would never let me admit to any crime anyway, so.
0: <laughs> I love it, you're both a lawyer and a social media manager here, you're giving us great marketing tips. <laughs> Build your presence online by being real, dancing less, being a little more political, and do not advance
2: your crimes, got it. <laughs>
0: It's time for our last story of the day. This one is a doozy, a 911 operator sets fires so the fire department wouldn't be bored. You heard me, James Bartels, a 911 dispatcher for a fire department in Ohio has admitted to setting 24 fires because he thought it would keep the department from being bored and had to quote distract himself from depression. He has been charged with arson at the federal level. So his depression is about to get a lot worse. As the Daily Beast reported, all the fires were set in the Wayne National Forest in less than a year. Way to hide your crimes by James Bartels who worked as a 911 dispatcher for the Greenfield Township volunteer fire department. Bartels has a history with the municipality as he unsuccessfully ran for Greenfield Township's fiscal officer in 2007. And we all know when you run, For the fiscal officer in the town, if they don't put you in charge of the money, you set a bunch of fires. That's a natural progression in one's political career. I get it, I get it. I ran for office once, what should I do next? Start stealing candy from babies, not putting money in the little sample coin dish at the market and just taking candy straight up. Maybe stealing coffee beans, put them in my pockets. There's a lot of crimes you could do after running for office. I don't recommend it. But you got to do what you got to do. Bartels was first possibly linked to a fire in April when he was the first to report an undiscovered blaze, according to the complaint in the U.S. District Court for Ohio's Southern District. Six months later, his pickup truck was spotted right before a wildfire started by an Ohio natural resource officer who then had the information filed by a U.S. Forest Service special agent. That was just the beginning as Bartels' Ford truck was spotted then at the location of two other soon to be set fires. Upon his resignation early November, at least 17 fires had been set, according to Ross' story. According to the complaint, investigators provided Bartels a map. I love this, provided him with a map of all of the most recent unsolved fires, arson fires marked on it and asked him to identify the ones ignited with a check mark that he ignited with a check mark and those he didn't ignite with an X mark. According to the report, Bartels marked 26 fires with check marks and nine with Xs. The dude admitted straight up to starting 26 fires of which only 24 they could pinpoint on him despite him taking blame for the extra two. I mean, this is a guy that really wanted to get caught. He's like, I know you only have him for 24, but pretty sure I did these extra two, not positive. You could add it on to my rap sheet, why not? Bartels may spend up to five years behind bars if found guilty of only one count of setting timber on fire. The number of counts that Bartels will ultimately be charged with is not stated in the complaint, according to meow.com. And there have been, of course, similar incidents around the country because one stupid act cannot be left alone in America. We need to duplicate it, replicate it, and let it spread like wildfire, pun intended. Previously, a 911 operator in Syracuse, New York, was charged with third degree arson last year after it was claimed that he set fire to his own house. That's not the right move. The chief arson investigator for the Glendale Fire Department in Southern California was accused of intentionally starting almost 2000 fires through the 80s and 90s. Making Bartels look like a baby in the fire starting game 2000 fires. According to the National Volunteer Fire Council, roughly 100 firemen are accused of setting fires each year. And that's not just in the hearts of women who buy their calendars. That's actual fires out in the forest. So that is intense and that is mind boggling. And what is happening here? These people need to get on TikTok more. This group needs to start posting on social, find a hobby, pick up golf, maybe pickleball, stop setting fires that you're in charge of putting out. How does that sound? AB, how many fires have you started and do you plan to stop?
1: Do you see how hot I am? I start fires all the time.
0: I hear that girl, I hear
1: that. Just kidding, sir, if you were that bored. A few sit ups would have been nice. Maybe jog a lap or two. You look like you could (laughs) have used it, right? There's always community service you could have done, right? Let's clean up the neighborhood and things like that. Maybe even prepare to run and lose again, who knows? We're starting fires. What if people could have been seriously injured? I mean, one thing he wasn't honest criminal, right? Not only did he take um, accountability for the fires he did start, but he took two more off somebody else. So we'll just give him that. Um, I hope he enjoys prison because that's exactly where you're going and you deserve it for putting people's lives in danger as well as your own. And what kind of smitty it takes their own vehicle to a crime scene? That's the part where I'm confused. But at the end of the day, I don't start fires, I put them out. And you know we just got to watch who we're hiring to take on these public service jobs because clearly, I don't know. I don't know what's in the water. Maybe everybody needs to drink Red
0: Bull. Yes, I've been known to start a flame war or two, but never a fire. These illegal fires, brought to you by the good people at Red Bull. They don't <laughs> officially sponsor us, and I probably shouldn't be saying that. Hmm. <laughs> a B, what are your, what are your thoughts wrapping up this year? How do you encapsulate this year? Like. Looking back, good year, bad year? Outrageous, right? There are so
1: many ups and downs this year. I think it's a good year because I'm still here and we're all still here. And it gives us another chance to continue to work on the issues that we have seen come about time and time again. I think it's also a good year because a lot of these issues, they were kept And we didn't really know what was going on or a lot of communities didn't know what was going on behind their backs. And now more people know that there are sources like yourself, this platform, right, myself, that can highlight the type of issues that we have witnessed throughout the year. But there's also been some great things, right? We have also had amazing achievements. We got the Inflation Reduction Act passed, right? We didn't have to deal with Trump as president again. Right so there was a lot of great things that happened despite you know all the mishaps and this is what I'm going into my last year of law school my last semester of law school so honestly great year
0: for me I love it you're racing Dr. Richie what yeah. are your goals for next year if you had one big goal for the for the for the country for next year how would you phrase it
1: Oh my gosh one big goal for the country I would say um Love, my big goal is for us to love one another next year. I know that's harder. It's easier said than done. But I just hope we share
0: more love in the country next year because the hate is real right about now. That is a very sweet message. We all know it's not going to happen, but I like your optimism. I like it very much. Where can we see you? Where can we follow you? Give us a couple plugs. Absolutely,
1: you can find me on I am legally hype. I am on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Check me out, holla at me. Don't yell at me because that's mean, but holla at me.
0: Say what's up. I love that. It's been a pleasure being on with you, AB. Thank you for being here. As for me, you can follow me at Ben Glebe on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all the things. My link in bio has links to my website where you can get tickets to join me on New Year's weekend in Buffalo, New York at Helium Comedy Club. That'll be a blast. Ring in the new year with me, watch my special The Mad King, do all the things. and. Thank you all for being here with us. We hope to see Dr. Richie back very soon. And you just had 90 minutes of facts and truths that are plain indisputable. We'll see you next time.